live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome. Middle of the week, Wednesday. We've climbed to the mountain. Now we're getting ready to head downhill toward the weekend. It's July 20th. It's the year 2022. Day three of the 2022 SEC Media Days. We're today at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. The defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, featuring coach Kirby Smart, quarterback Stetson Bennett the fourth, linebacker Nolan Smith, and all Offensive lineman Cedric Van Pran hit the stage in the morning hours. It was also the debut of Florida coach Billy Napier through the media day car wash. He was joined by three players, including star quarterback Anthony Richardson, Sam Pittman, always a fan favorite, one of the nicest guys um, that you'll see, uh, led things off. And uh, Mark Stoops is at the podium, um, just getting off the podium. And um, so another very, very busy day, and we will take you to um, Atlanta for that. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also proud to be on 1041 in Lake Charles. We are streaming globularly uh, on 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. If you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you're sitting down on the couch, flip on your television set because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. Well, what's going on with the National League in baseball? Because they just can't seem to win. My goodness gracious. Giancarlo Stanton won the MVP, powered the American League to their ninth straight all-star game win. Uh, the first all-star game at Dodger Stadium in 42 years. American League wins it. Three to two, they're 21st in the past 25 midsummer classics. The game turned in the fourth inning when Giancarlo Stanton and hit a two-run homer, followed by Byron Buxton back to back jacks off Los Angeles Dodgers picture Tony Gonsolin. Um, Stanton's game tying two-run shot. 457 feet, a blast to left center, longer than any home run hit at Dodger Stadium in the first half of this season. Buxton followed with a 425-foot shot down the left field line, the seventh time in all-star history with back-to-back home runs. So the American League once again with bragging rights. Um, wow. Um not the greatest of news if you're a Texas A&M fan uh, because wide receiver Ineos Smith was suspended following arrest on a DWI weapons and drug charges. Uh, this was um, 
an arrest early Wednesday morning. He was charged with Smith with a DWI, all unlawful carrying of a weapon and possession of less than two ounces of marijuana. According to Brazos County, Texas jail record, Smith, a senior, get this, he was scheduled to represent the Aggies at SEC Media Days tomorrow as the team's leading returning receiver from the 2021 season. But obviously, he will no longer do so. Aggie coach Jimbo Fisher is told, uh, is said to be aware of the arrest and is looking into the situation according to an athletic department statement. So, um, heesh, heesh, craziness, huh? Craziness. Um, the 2022 Major League Baseball draft ended yesterday with five LSU Tigers picked in the final rounds. Yesterday's 12th round was particularly interesting as infielder Jack Pineda, the transfer from Baylor, was picked by the Royals with the 355th overall pick. Then four picks later, LSU right-handed pitcher Paul Gervais was selected by the New York Mets. Unfortunately for LSU, Pineda has indicated that he will sign professionally and it looks like Gervais has had a change of art and will do the same three other tigers drafted in yesterday's final rounds were vanderbilt transfer shortstop carter young 17th round to the orioles catcher brady neal 17th round to the brewers and right-handed pitcher Jaden newt the 19th round to the brewers no word yet on whether newt or young will sign off but um the advocate is reporting that neal is coming to lsu which is really good News can't get enough good catchers. So, um, talked about all the players and recruits who were drafted. Um, how will LSU make out? Well, here's some notable players who were either not drafted or announced they are coming to LSU outfielder Gavin Dugas, uh, right handed pitcher Ty Floyd, outfielder Braden Joe Bear, their high school signees, right handed pitcher Micah Bucknam, left handed pitcher Nick Bronzini, catcher Ethan Fry, shortstop Gavin Gidry. Left-handed picture, Griffin Herring. Catcher, Jared Jones. Outfielder, Paxton Kling. Right-handed picture, Aiden Moffitt. Catcher, Brady Neal. Outfielder, Michael Paul. Left-handed picture, DJ Primu. Outfielder, Zeb Riddell. And right-handed picture, Chase Shores. They had three Juco signees. All pictures, a lefty, Nate Ackenhausen. And two righties, Caleb Applebay and Adrian Saravo. So the list includes five top 200 prospects, 10 pictures three catchers and the louisiana gatorade player of the year shortstab gavin gidry so wow um that's pretty good i think the tigers are going to be a o k when it comes to that um some interesting tidbits um vanderbilt head coach clark lee shared some comments uh, about LSU coach Brian Kelly, whom he worked under at Notre Dame. Quoting Coach Lee of Vanderbilt, I would count him as one of my greatest mentors. He cares about the little things. He wants attention to detail in the program. He's accountability-based. He cares about people. He's a big proponent of the weight room and building out your team physically and mentally. All those aspects we've carried forward as a part of our program at Vanderbilt, too. So there's no mystery in his success. I mean, he has done it over and over again, it has been fun for me to reunite with him in this conference. I count him as a dear friend and mentor, and I'm excited for him at LSU. 
How about that? Darius Days, uh, summer league ball, played so well. He got a two-way contract with the Miami Heat. Upon signing that two-way contract with Miami, the Heat released Javante Smart. Still no word in the NBA of any wheeling and dealing and goings-on, but um, stay tuned because you never, ever, ever know. Another interesting tidbit, um, Tim Tebow on the SEC Now Network uh, at the at the NCAA excuse me at the SEC Media Days thought that um, the team with the biggest turnaround were the Ole Miss Rebels losing their offensive coordinator and losing Matt Corral whom he called the greatest Ole Miss quarterback ever. Hmm. They got um, speed limit. In Oxford is 18 miles an hour after Archie and Archie's son, Eli, has his jersey retired as well. Uh, So we'll see. That's subject to debate as to who is the um, the greatest Ole Miss quarterback. And I thought this was interesting. Bobby Bonilla's infamous contract is up for auction. Remember, um, every July 1st, Bonilla collects a paycheck of $1.193 million despite having officially retired in 2001. He'll continue to receive those checks every year through the year 2036, so 14 more years, and that's when he's 73 years old. Well, now one lucky and wealthy Bobby Bonilla fan can own a piece of infamous baseball history, the contract agreement that created Bobby Bonilla Day. Golden Auctions is listing a copy of the contract as part of a complete Bonilla experience with bidding set to open at $10,000. Oh, my God. Uh, Man, so if you bet and win, you'll get a 30-minute Zoom call with Bonilla. You get a 30-minute Zoom call with Dennis Gilbert, the agent who brokered Bonilla's deferment deal, a signed baseball from Bobby Bonilla's personal collection, a game-used bat from Bobby's personal collection, and Bobby Bonilla non-fungible tokens, uh, NFTs. Um, so we'll see. Let the bidding begin. Greatest contract ever for the next 14 years. and he, He's been getting this every year. Um since he retired in 20, 2001. So for 19 years now, he's gotten $1.193 million every July 1st. Man, you think he has a party on that day? Holy cow. All righty, enough of that frivolity. Uh, the Houston Astros are hot, and you can see them live and in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher A. Le Meridian Houston downtown in the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I've been saying this thing, this read about the Astros weekend getaway for a, at least a month, it seems like. Seems like forever today. If you haven't signed up by now, when are you going to sign up? What do you got to lose? What do you have to? Absolutely nothing. It's free to do it. And it's free once you get there. I mean, come on, let's do it. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day. Uh, We are at 13 minutes after the hour. We will go live to 
the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, SEC Media Day Part 3. We've got um, RP3 has been doing his shows there. Miguez and Mesh have been doing their shows from there. Brought to you by Bordelon Furniture. Matt Miguez will join us yet again for another update from Day 3 of the SEC Media Days here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers and SEC Media Days in Atlanta this week. Stay with us. Time for us to head out to Atlanta for the event that just means more. SEC, SEC, SEC. Here is the game's SEC Media Days report presented by Bordelon Furniture. All right, it is day three. Arkansas got things kicked off, followed by the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Billy Napier made his first appearance as a head coach in the SEC, and followed by Mark Stoops with Kentucky. One thing in common by all four teams, they all brought their starting quarterbacks. K.J. Jefferson for the Hogs, Stetson Bennett the fourth for Georgia, Anthony Richardson for the Gators, and Will Levis for the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, uh, still going through the wardrobe another day. Matt Miguez, kind enough to join us on the phone today for his thoughts on day three. Hey, Matt, how you holding up, buddy? What's going on, Jordy? I'm doing just fine. I'm sitting outside the College Football Hall of Fame sipping on a Chick-fil-A chocolate milkshake, so life's good. Oh, life is good. Uh, you about ready to get home, or are you still uh, chomping at the bit at all this stuff? So it, it's kind of in between, you know. It's still Media days is still a lot of fun getting to see, you know, these coaches and players and, you know, SEC media personalities that, you know, we kind of grew up watching. And, and, and But at the same time, Sleep deprivation is starting to kick in, and I, I kind of miss my family. So <laughs> I understand. Believe me, been there, done that, got the <laughs> postcard. The strangest thing I've heard the entire week was Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee. We know in time Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. I want to know what iced tea he's sipping on. Right. Yeah, you know, we, we, we talked about that yesterday on my show. I had a I had a guest by the name of Jake Crane come on, and I asked him that, that same question. And he said, you know, maybe in an alternate reality, Vanderbilt could be the best team in the country. But he said, this day and age, you're not even close. Uh, it just depends on what Clark Lee's thought process, what is the best program in the country mean to him? If it's wins and losses, well, if it's more wins, it's not going to happen. Uh, not at that school, not at this time, but we shall see. Um, anything interesting? To, Sam Pittman is like, who doesn't like Sam Pittman of Arkansas? Who doesn't? Yeah, it was, he, he was very entertaining. You know, he talked about the house that he purchased in Fayetteville, the, the joke around Fayetteville is that it was called the Marlin House because there's a lake behind it, and right. it had Marlin statues spitting water into the lake. And so <laughs> when he purchased the house and moved in, he changed the Marlins to hogs. And so now there's two hog statues with neon lights and whatnot, and he said instead of spitting water out, he had it to where it just kind of dribbles down the chin, so it's like his hogs are slobbering at the bit. 
crazy. And he, he uh, said, um, we have signs up. I wish people would read the signs and not get on the hogs. They, they park their boats right. or whatever, and they, they get on the hogs and, uh, and go from there. So who knows? Anyway, um, also, there's been kind of a shifting of players between LSU and Arkansas, and LSU's counting on a couple of Razorbacks to help them defensively. Uh, did, um, did Coach Pittman say anything about that? He had nothing but, you know, classy comments to say about both Greg Brooks and Joe Fouché. Um, and then, you know, you, you talked about the couple of players that from LSU to Arkansas. He, he talked about that as well. You know, he said that Ed Ogeron primed some good players for him and that LSU was getting two stand-up individuals. Yeah, I really like McLeathern. I hated seeing him go. He just he just looks like a uh, like a ball player there. Um, yeah, what was sure. it? Like? I'm just curious. I know it was yesterday, but what was it like when um, uh, the King of the Hill arrived? Normally, this thing is in Alabama, and they have hundreds of people. They just want a sighting of um, of Nick Saban. Uh, but I'm sure it wasn't quite the same in Atlanta, but I'm sure he still drew some attention. What was it? Uh, what was that all about? What was that like? The lobby was full of people, Jordy, and people wearing some off the wall outfits. I saw a guy wearing a homemade Alabama national championship ring hat on his head. <laughs> Just to be in the same building as Nick oh, yeah. Saban, he wasn't even close to him. Just wanted to be in the same building, which is yeah. which is crazy to me. Yeah, um, <laughs> everybody around LSU is excited because um, Popeyes is going to be opening up a store on campus. So everybody's right. euphoric about that. I know you're a Chick Fil A guy there in Atlanta, but uh, Popeyes is coming to Tiger Town inside the inside the Union Building. So everybody's excited about that. Um, Kirby Smart, how do you handle him? Oh no! Before I get to Kirby Smart, Millie Napier, you got to see him, listen to him a little bit. Uh, he said, "I got a lot more things to worry about than my hair." So he's got the buzz cut going. How did Billy handle himself at media day today? You know, Billy, Billy carried himself. Well, you know, he, he tugged on the heartstrings a little bit when he was asked about his father, you know, who tragically passed away from a battle with ALS Yeah, and, you know, just kind of spent some time talking about how grateful he was to, to be in the position that he's in. And he knows that there's a lot of work to do to get Florida back into a state of prominence. Yeah, I thought he I thought he did a good job. Um, I, I, he was it was definitely scripted and he was reading off it. And that's fine. I have no no issues with that whatsoever. But uh, I thought he handled himself well. Uh, he brought uh, you know, he's got a quarterback that he can rely on. And that's always good. Um, anything else stand out today for you? You know, Kirby Smart w was interesting as well, because, you know, a lot of people have this mentality that the Bulldogs are going to be a little complacent this year after winning the national championship last year. And, and, and Kirby Smart hit that thought process pretty hard and said that there's going to be no complacency in, in mm -hmm. Athens, Georgia. Uh, he, he says that he wants to make this team even better than they were a year ago, and I think he's got the pieces to do it, Jordy.
Yeah, he had 15 players selected in the NFL draft. That's a modern draft record. That's even more than LSU had after that 2019 greatest season ever. Uh, so they're not worried about complacency. They're worried about experience. But as any coach would say, gives other players an opportunity uh, and, and, and go for there. Uh, so... Um, Absolutely. Um, we'll see. Um, again, a- any more comments about Brian Kelly? And, uh, you know, I, my buddy Tony Barnhart told me that uh, uh, he thinks that Brian Kelly will have the most talented roster he's ever had in his coaching career at LSU this year. So that's uh, yeah. that's pretty good praise from Mr. College Football. Yeah, you know, uh, Tony was also on – RP3 show this morning, and, and you know he reiterated that, that same sentiment that that was going to be this was going to be the best rest, roster that Brian Kelly's had in his coaching career. And then another thing that I heard yesterday was we were talking about again talking with Jake Crane on, on my show. We, we were talking about LSU and, and Brian Kelly and what the expectations were. He said, "Look, I don't know what the expectations are." He said, "But I will tell you this." He said, LSU with structure is the most dangerous thing in the SEC. Oh, yeah. The talent's always there. There's no question about that. And, and again, um, if Brian Kelly could do what he did at Notre Dame under those restrictions and those requirements for getting into school, uh, the, the, the academic requirements are far, far different in the SEC, except for Vanderbilt, uh, which is why yep. Vanderbilt will never win. But, uh, yeah, he will, uh, he, will have, he will have some great talent year after year after year, and structure is, uh, is the key. So what have y'all been doing at nighttime? Y'all been hanging out and uh, hobnobbing with all the people going out to eat? Or what's been going on? Man, I'll tell you, the SEC has put together a first-class event here. Every night there's been an event planned. Uh, Monday night we had a reception in the rotunda of the College Football Hall of Fame. Last night we walked the five minutes down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and had a party in the Delta Sky Club. And then tonight, there's a sports bar about two blocks down from the Hall of Fame that's very well known around Atlanta. And uh, we, we have another party there tonight. So, uh, like I said, they've they put together a first-class event for us. Uh, you're just living the dream, man. You're just having a good Absolutely. time. That's good for you, man. It's a great experience for you. Soak it all up. Soak it all in. Um, what, what's the sentiment? Do, do you believe that the SEC will continue to go to Atlanta, or do you think they're going to spread the wealth and maybe maybe go to Nashville one year, maybe go back to Hoover, Alabama for one year, maybe go to New Orleans one year? What do you th- what's, the, what's the sentiment of that? Because this is a big to-do. So- so it's funny that you, you said Nashville first, Jordy, because the, the rumor going around the College Football Hall of Fame is that Media Days next year will be in Nashville. Okay. I, I think it's smart. I think to you know, spread the wealth a little bit. It's, a, it's an economic impact to whatever city it goes into, no matter how big nor how small. There's a lot of people there. They spend money. They do a lot of things. So that, that's a good thing. You get to vote uh, on your you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth in the West and in the East. What, what are you thinking about uh, for LSU this year? Where do you think they're going to finish? I actually voted this morning, Jordy, and I've got LSU third in the West. Third in the West. All right, Alabama's one. Who you got two? Ole Miss. Wayne Kiffin has put together a oh. solid roster. Wow. They, they went 10 wins last year. 
and I don't think that they're done, I, I think Ole Miss is going to have a great season this year. Wow. I'm going to bet you a Diet Coke or whatever bad, uh, soft drink you like that there's no way in God's green earth when the, when the all the predictions come in that Ole Miss finishes number two, which doesn't matter. Your vote counts for your vote. That's what you believe, and that's awesome. Uh, I just don't think anybody else is going to be believing that, but that's what makes it fun. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's the fun of this, right? All right, hotty toddy number two, LSU number three. All right, Matt Miguez, uh, go back to work. Go have some fun. Have fun at that uh, sports bar tonight, and uh, we appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Jordy. We'll do it one more time tomorrow. All righty, buddy. That was the game's SEC Media Days report, presented by Bordelon Furniture. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. There is no one I know more that loves college football, college athletics than Mike Huguenin of On3.com. And I know he's excited because it's talking season, which means football is right around the corner. Michael in Orlando. How are you, my friend? What's going on? Yeah, doing well. And, yeah, last week the, the Big 12 media days sort of kicked off the unofficial start of the season. This week, obviously, SEC media days, ACC has started. Uh, Big Ten's next, and then the Pac-12. So, yeah, the, we're, the first first games are August 27th, so we're a little over a month away. Um, uh. there's, it's been an extremely busy offseason. Um, to the point, I would argue, that not a lot of stuff has been talked about on the field. Yep. And that sort of adds a little bit of uh, intensity to the, to the run-up here because a lot of the focus has been off the field. But now I think people are going to start focusing on what actually could happen this fall. We always talk about the SEC, and you know, it's always in the past. It's been a, a, a up front. You got to be able to run the football. It's great defensive league, but but now. Um, just today, for instance, K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback of Arkansas, Stetson Bennett, the fourth quarterback. At Georgia, all he does is win. Anthony Richardson, so much potential as the quarterback at Florida. Will Levis, the transfer from Penn State. People are calling him a first round draft pick. And that's just four teams today. You've got the reigning Heisman Trophy winning quarterback for Alabama. And I would say even teams that have quarterback battles, whoever wins them, they're going to end up having some pretty good quarterback play there. Uh, has quarterback play been any better? That's a that's a good question. Um, I, I'm not, and I'm not convinced that the that the SEC has the best quarterbacks. I think that belongs to the ACC. Um, hmm. It's the, there are questions about the SEC quarterbacks. I think you brought up Will Levis. He is considered a first round pick, and if you watched him last year, okay, he's big, he's physical, he fits the physical traits that NFL teams want. He also threw 13 interceptions, and yeah. he threw for more than 178 yards in an SEC game once. So gotcha. I, I think there's still questions about him. Plus, is Tavion Robinson, the Virginia Tech transfer, a, a truly a number one receiver? Um, Anthony Richardson sure looked good against non-conference opponents last year. 
Can he carry it over to against league opponents? Spencer Rattler, is he the Spencer Rattler of 2020 where he looked every bit like a high-level recruit? Or right. is he the Spencer Rattler of 2021 who failed in an extremely quarterback-friendly offense? So it is it is an interesting year for quarterbacks in this league. I think you look around the SEC and the only schools that are probably truly worried about the quarterback situation in Vanderbilt and Missouri. Um, but I think there are there's questions at A&M, for instance, LSU, um, and I brought up Florida, Tennessee, I'm sorry, Florida, Kentucky, and South Carolina. But Missouri and Vandy are probably the two schools that, that, that aren't comfortable with what's going on at quarterback. I, I'm with you. I'm Mike Hugan and On3.com. Nick Saban wants to ask all the other coaches how they know that uh, that he's going to retire. He said, quote, I love my job. I love the relationships with the players. I love the competition. I love the preparation for the games, and I just love it. I wish you would all ask all the other coaches that come up here because they tell all the recruits, I'm going to retire. Why don't you ask them how they know I'm going to retire when all I think about is what the heck am I going to do if I retire? I eat? I love what I'm doing now, so how am I going to be happy not doing it? Sounds like he's got a lot of football left in him. Yeah, it, and you know, and you look and it, it is interesting. I mean, he is 70 years old, and you figure, okay, how much longer does he want to put up with this? And it sounds like he wants to put up with, with it for a long time. I tend to think most quote-unquote normal people, um, if they had that kind of money, I don't care how successful they are, you're hitting the the stop button on work, and you're going to enjoy the the rest of your life. Now, obviously, Saban loves coaching football. He loves the camaraderie, all that kind of stuff. He loves the game planning. I think he even likes recruiting. But yep. I, I think it's it's interesting that he brought that up because you know that is being used against him on the recruiting trail. He's 70 years old. Are you sure you want to go play for a guy who might not be there the whole time you're there? But I think he is going to be there for at least four or five more years. I'm with you. Mike Hugan and on3.com. All right, the most absurd quote, but what is a coach supposed to say? Clark Lee of Vanderbilt. We know in time Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. What? Drug test. Drug test. Oh, you you like coaches who are confident. Um, Usually, though, there's, you know, some basis in reality for some of what they say. Um, and if 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 Vanderbilt to be the best football program in the country, I would argue that about seventy five football programs have to disband, um, including all the other Power Fives. So um, again, you, you like the fact that Clark Lee's got a lot of energy; he's confident. But I'm sure the other thirteen SEC coaches saw that quote and chuckled to themselves. I think you're right. I don't think there's any question uh, about that. Um, your thoughts, uh, if you watched Brian Kelly, how he handled himself, I thought he gave an air of confidence. I thought he gave an air of stability and an air of professionalism because I think if you ask those outside of the program on the periphery, such as you are, um, LSU kind of is like a, well, you know, kind of a laughing stock. They, they got great talent, and somehow these coaches win. But, man, it's not like what, what, what you see at an Alabama or what you see at a, at a Notre Dame, whatever. Um, what was your sense of Brian Kelly and his first SEC media day? 
Yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I did read some of the quotes. And you know, you get, your point is is well taken because I went to SEC media days when Miles was the coach and when Orgeron was the coach. And you're, yeah, it's uh, they were different kinds of people, somewhat quirky personalities. Um, and, and Kelly is, is not necessarily a quirky personality. He is sort of a button-down, professorial guy. So I think he's trying to sort of get out of that box, but I'm not sure he should be doing that. But, you know, this plus this is the first time he was really at a big-time conference meeting. Yeah, he right. coached in the MAC and he coached in the AAC. So it's I'm sure the – I mean, you know, he, he coached at Notre Dame, which is the ultimate spotlight school. But at the same time, I don't think he ever spoke in front of a crowd of 1,000 people, 1,000 media members before yeah. a season started. So – he said all the right things, had all the right notes. Um, this team is interesting. Um, we've talked about it you know, a couple of times over the summer. Um, he did a really nice job in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, the quarterback situation is going to be interesting. And I think there's – I actually like Jaden Daniels. I think he can do some things. My biggest question about LSU is the running game because I'm not sold at all on John Emery. Okay. Um, some of the transfer offensive linemen need to come through. But um, I think for the most part that, that Kelly and his staff did a really nice job in the portal, and Kelly did a nice job uh, at, 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 on the day of talking about LSU and talking about himself and what it means to be at LSU. Do you like that running back, Kane, that transferred from Penn State? Do you think he can be um, a solid SEC running back? Uh, let me put it this way. In talking to people at On3 who cover Penn State, he, uh, they, you know, he, had a, he had a nice freshman season, then got hurt. Um, not really a huge loss. Um, they got a freshman coming in who they're extremely high on, Nicholas Singleton at Penn State. And Kane's okay. departure was like, oh, wow, that, that's a depth piece that, you know, he, he might have been the he might have gotten eighty carries. So okay. um, you know, gotcha. Payne went to high school at IMG Academy, um, and was a highly hyped guy. Um, but he hasn't come through yet. Now maybe he's they, the Penn State guys did admit he was not a hundred percent last year. So maybe mm-hmm. that's gonna gonna be a positive this fall. Uh, maybe he is closer to a hundred percent. But I still think the LSU rushing attack is. My biggest question, though, you know, Dane Daniels can do some things with his legs, um, but I, I still think if I'm, you know, if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm excited to see what I can do with Kayshawn Boutte. Um, the receiving core is interesting, um, but the running game is the thing I have a question about. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Kirby Smith said he's not worried about complacency. He's worried about experience. 15 players drafted. 15. That's even more than LSU in that uh, 2019 perfect season that they had. Um, does, does Georgia just reload, or do you see them dropping down just a smidge? No, I think, that, I think that, that they're at the point where, given the talent level on their team, they do reload. Now, the complacency thing, he might not be worried about it, but I think that is something to watch. Um, I think you look at, you know, recent teams that, that look phenomenal, they've all, outside of Alabama, who's there every single season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ohio State last year lost a game of shit. 
Um, back in the day, USC lost the game. It shouldn't have when they lost Stanford back in like 2007. So you know, that's a long time ago. But um, you, you, I mean, this is the first time Georgia is a defending national title since 1980. So right. it, it, I think the complacency aspect is something for for people to watch. Now, you know, maybe in the internally that Smart genuinely isn't worried about that, but I still think that needs to play out. But that is a loaded roster. And okay. let's get serious. The SEC East, I think, top to bottom might be not bad, but there's no one in that division close right. to Georgia. So um, the Oregon game, I think, will tell us something about this Georgia team. Um, mm-hmm. I, they, they, they announced today the game is a sellout, not surprising. Oh, yeah. It's basically a Georgia home game. And right. Oregon's got some okay players. Yeah. Um, but they've also got a quarterback that Georgia has seen three times in Bo Nix. And That's I right. doubt Georgia's worried about Bo Nix. So, um, you know, again, I think I think Georgia is unquestionably the best team in the East, unquestionably the second-best team in the conference, and unquestionably one of the top five teams in the nation. What is the best um Kind of in the first three weeks of the season, you got LSU, Florida State. You mentioned Oregon, Georgia. You got Alabama going to Texas to play. Is uh, what, what's the most important game you think uh, early on from these SEC teams? In the SEC, uh, no, I think Miami, Texas A and M is going to be extremely okay. interesting. Miami unquestionably has a better quarterback. I'm a huge Tyler Van Dyke fan. Um, okay. And Crystal Ball has done really nice work in the portal along his defensive front. Um, they brought in three defensive tackles who were going to play. They had a couple of holdovers who can play. Brought in a linebacker from UCLA who's going to start, a corner from West Virginia who's going to start. Uh, and this, for the first time in a while, Miami, I shouldn't say that. Miami always seemed, okay, this is the year they turned the corner. I think there's actually reason to believe this year that they can turn the corner. Now, if they go to College Station and get blown out, that says something as well. But, you know, A&M, you know, for all the money Jimbo's paid, he's done a phenomenal job in 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 raising the floor. I think when, when he got there, you know, if, if the SEC is a 10-4 building, A&M was on, like, floor four. I think now they're on floor eight or nine. Uh, okay. This year will tell us if they are on floor nine. I mean, the, the roster is really good. Um, the quarterback situation bears watching. Um, the receiving core might not be as good as it needs to be. But I think the Miami-Texas A&M game is extremely interesting on a bunch of levels. They're having some of those off-the-field issues that we always talk about. Yeah. Their leading returning wide receiver um, suspended after an arrest on DWI, weapon and drug charges. So that never bodes well. But Mike Hugan and On3.com, if you had to vote, like all the other media members, which nine out of ten times, it never comes out that way. But everybody's going to pick Alabama in the West. Everybody's going to pick Georgia in the East. Who comes in second? That's the question. I think it's going to be A&M in the West. And in the East, it's wide open. I'm, I, I might actually go Kentucky because I think Stoops is a good coach. Okay. Um, he's certainly been doing it longer than Napier and Beamer and Josh Heupel. Um, I think the only two teams in the East that don't have a chance at second place are Missouri and Bandy. 
Um, right. South Carolina is extremely interesting to me. I mentioned Rattler before. What kind right. of season does he have? Um, I, and the, really, I think that picking the first place team in each division is easy, and picking the last place team in each division is easy because I think it's Vanderbilt and Auburn. Vanderbilt and Auburn. We shall see. All right, um, everybody's under this mis- uh, under this theory that uh oh man bama lost in the championship game that means whenever they do that they come back and win it all um are you taking if you had to bet would you take alabama or would you take the rest of the field to win the national title this year i still think i would take alabama though this is i think defensively they're going to be better than they were last year yes um you know getting ricks is a big deal at corner Um, I think the front seven is going to be stronger. And Will Anderson was awesome last year. He's going to be better this year. Um, But, you know, they they still have – this is not a perfect team by any stretch. Um, They're counting on – they have to have a transfer receiver come through. They have to. That's a must. Who's the kid Um, that – Who's the the kid that – So – I mean, yes, it's a phenomenal roster, but Jameer Gibbs better be as good as people think at running back. Jermaine Burton needs to go from being a 25-catch guy at Georgia to being a 70-catch guy at Alabama. Can he do that? Tyler Harrell, the transfer from Louisville, another wide receiver, 20 catches in four years at Louisville. He needs to be a 45 or 50-catch guy this year alone. And Tyler Steen, who was a three-year starter at left tackle for Vandy, needs to start at left tackle for Alabama, I think, for them to be at their best. Because from talking to folks and hearing other people talk about it, you wonder if Alabama's offensive line has the high-level guys it usually has right now. I think some of these young guys are maybe still a year away. The right side of their offensive line was a concern last year. Um, it's again, they're not a perfect team by any stretch, but I still think they have they have the best they have the best defensive player in the nation, and if they don't have the best offensive player, they have the second best offensive player. And they got the best coach. I've never seen a player and the best coach, right? I've never seen a player like Burton leave a national champions team like Georgia with the quarterback coming back to go to Alabama. I, I, what, what, what's the story behind that story? I think it is he had 56 catches in two years and looks at Alabama and realizes, I can go there and play with an extremely good quarterback, get thrown the ball. Um, let's, let's, Alabama places a much higher premium on, on their passing attack than Georgia does. So I think yeah. Jermaine Burton says, I want some of that. That's um, fair. You know, he, he, averaged, he was a legit deep threat last year. I think he averaged 19 yards a catch. Um, but he, 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 he'll, again, I think he's going to go, he has, he has 56 or 57 career catches. I think he'll have 75 this year alone. So and he'll make, right. make himself a lot of money as well. Michael Hugan and On3.com, always great. Wednesdays are so much better with you, man. I greatly appreciate it. Talk to you next time. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Blue I said. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Hugan here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits.
Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has taken over the Big Easy for Sunbelt Media Days. Tune in Tuesday, July 26th, Wednesday, July 27th, as RP3 and company footnotes and crunch time will be broadcasting from New Orleans for the games live from Sunbelt Media Day coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Tune in for the takeover of the Big Easy right here on the game southwest louisiana's sports station so from atlanta to new orleans when they're going to come back to lafayette and lakeshore i'm kidding that's great good we need all the coverage we need to do that all right coming up our number two of the program glenn west from go 247 sports will join us get his thoughts on uh the tigers in atlanta the players what they had to say what his thoughts are after as things have <coughs> settled in and he's back in town and then frank schwab will join us um on this wednesday the schwab from yahoo sports and we'll talk all things about the NFL. You know, you watched his TV specials, you listened to his podcast. Now you can see comedian Bert Kreischer live and in person at the Cajun Dome on September 16th. And you can do so with a text to score tickets. Join the game's text club by texting BERT, B E R T, to 337 283 8100. That's BERT, B E R T, to 337 283 8100. Once you're a member, you'll be eligible to win tickets to see Bert Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of the game's text club hour number two straight ahead the jordy helper show in the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the houston astros the lsu tigers sec media days this week and next week sunbelt media days in southwest louisiana live and local this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a saints touchdown it's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this middle of the week, Wednesday, July 20th, the year 2022, day three of the SEC Media Days. Of course, day one, Brian Kelly and the LSU entourage was there. Our next guest to kick off our number two, brought to you by... Eon of Lafayette, the first robotic touchless laser fat burning device of all time. It's the best. Glenn West of Go 247 Sports joins us for his insight and his um, analysis of what he thought uh, Brian Kelly and uh, players, uh, how they responded to things. Glenn, good. Welcome back to uh, Louisiana, big guy. How was your stay in, in uh, Atlanta? Hey, thanks, Jordy. I appreciate it. I'm just honored that I get a, a sponsor attached Absolutely. to my little clip here. That's that's awesome. Because um, you're so good. Thank, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, so no, it was a great trip. I mean, uh, obviously, it was a long drive there and back, but... Um, what? Know, yeah. Sonny Ship made you drive? He didn't get you that first-class plane ticket? No, that was actually kind of my idea, because planes are not my best friend. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, long of, legs. That's not yeah. good. It's 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 not not the best. So I'm just curious, what what kind of vehicle? You're six ten. So what what vehicle do you fit in? 
So I probably sat in about 20 cars before I, I found one that could fit. And uh, the Chevy Equinox was the one that uh, kind of felt most comfortable to me. So that's okay. the one I have, a 2016 or 15 Chevy Equinox is okay. my car. So it, I, I know this is, <laughs> it just came to my mind. Like I'm 6'3", yeah. but I'm more... And when I sit down, I, I'm I look comparable to somebody that's five ten because I'm all legs. Yeah, same, um, so- same, very much so. I'm I'm all legs, and uh, yeah, I mean I, I mean I'm right there. I got the seat all the way back, all the way to the floor. You know, I can kind of rest my head on the back back a little bit. I mean, it's. It's uh yeah it's 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 not the best but it's you know it's it, it works. Okay. I it never works. forget yeah. I never seen I never forget seeing the Shaq custom made car because he had to take the back seat out and had to push it all the way. I mean it was crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um okay. Your thoughts on Brian Kelly? I um I maybe this is a misconception but in my mind Around the country, when people think of LSU, they think of, okay, like I've said before, well, Les Miles was kind of goofy, right? And Ed Orgeron was kind of quirky in his ways. Um, I think, in my opinion, Brian Kelly gave an air of professionalism, which is, I think, where this program, the direction it needs to go. You were there, you witnessed, you got to talk to people after. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I think he did a tremendous job. I mean, I think one of the first things we had to point out was or was pointed out to him. This was his first media day session in like 12 years or something because yeah. he was always Notre a Dame part didn't of have to do Notre that. Dame. They weren't right. in conference, you know. So, um, you know, I think it was, you know, I think you could tell maybe early on he was just trying to think of some good things to say in his introduction. And, uh, you know, I think he did a, a really nice job being able to answer the questions. You know, obviously he got the, you know, the dinky questions of, you know, in your best Southern accent, please, you know, tell us about your favorite food. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, that, that, that part was, I think, you know, old. For local media in particular, maybe a little bit of the on the cringier side, but yeah, uh, you know, he was, you know, he. I think the one thing you're going to get with Brian Kelly is he's going to, he, he's going to give you some substance to his answers. You know, I think he's going to be a guy that's 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 very articulate with what he, with with his opinions, and so you know, for NIL, for scheduling, for you know, kind of the future of the conference, adding uh, Texas and Oklahoma, he was asked about all of that, and I thought he gave very. Yeah, diplomatic answers. You know, this is a guy who has a, a background in politics for a little bit before he became a uh, you know football coach. So, if you're going to ask him about his opinion on something, I think more often than not, he's going to give you uh, kind of a, a you know his his thoughts on it. And so, I do think he did a nice job of doing that. And uh, really, just overall, a really good afternoon. We had a nice talk with Jack Besh and uh, you know, Mike Jones, BJ Ojalary. Those were the players they brought, and they kind of. Right sent us out with the the local guys before then. So that was, that was, it was good. It was, it was a nice, nice trip. I want to get to those players in a minute. Um, You mentioned, I know it doesn't start with the letter F because Brian Kelly said they they love football. The fans love football. They love uh, family. They love food. He should have put in the politics as well. And that's the perfect, I mean, that's, that's like a Royal flush right there. Um, That's, that's what Louisiana is all about. Yep. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, it's been, you know, kind of the last six, seven months, it's been pretty much, you know, head to the head to the wall and and, and really just trying to focus on this season, trying to first build a roster and a right. staff. And, you know, now they're obviously working on the future of the program and, you know, devising up some offensive and defensive schemes. And he kind of talked a little bit about the quarterback battle and just what the, you know, the plan is for those guys, you know, kind of one of the more interesting answers that I thought he gave. Uh, was that, you know, they don't expect to, to know who the starter is the first week or two of fall camp. 
Mm-hmm. But what they are doing is they're putting in offensive schemes for each player and uh, for each quarterback and into what they do best. And whoever kind of leads the offense best, you know, those first couple of weeks will have the upper hand, uh, you know, because it's based off of their skill sets and what they do best. I'm always one of those pie in the sky kind of guys. Um, what happens if all three quarterbacks excel yeah. and nobody separates? What in the Sam Hill do you do now? Well, that's a great problem to have, I guess, if you're Coach Kelly. I mean, Ooh. I think you could probably, uh, you know, we, we talked to him so much about just, you know, what's the possibility of having multiple guys play, you know, in the same game. And I think they're still very hesitant to kind of go on that route. I think they, right. once they find a guy, I think they're going to stick to him. And maybe, you know, if it's not a guy like Jaden Daniels, maybe you devise a package or two for him throughout the game or, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously injuries happen and, and that kind of thing too. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be – it's just going to be an all-out dog dogfight, I think. Nope. You know, it's part of camp. Don't you think so much is predicated by those surrounding the quarter? What happens? What happens if the offensive line didn't up to snuff? Well, that tells me one thing: Jaden Daniels is going to be the guy because he got he's going to have to run for his life. Yeah. So I mean, you kind of saw that in the spring game, even like the offensive line kind of held up better on some series than it did others, and it kind of affected some of the quarterbacks' play. And you know, I think that's going to be something they're going to have to measure. You know, I think that's um, you know, you're going to probably see quarterbacks running with multiple different rotations, multiple different players, mm-hmm. uh, just to try to find those right combinations for each guy. And then when when you do that, and when you find the right the right plays, the right schemes for those guys, and whichever ones excel the most is going to be. I guess, you know, kind of the, the, the front runner there. Glenn West, go two four seven sports. Back to Brian Kelly. Where, but uh, up until now, we were always on the outside looking at him and our perception of Brian Kelly when he was at Notre Dame. Oh man, he's a stick in the mud. He's just, I mean, they look, he's always angry and mad. We find out when he comes here, we get to talk to him a little bit. He's got a good sense of humor, so you, yeah. you just never know. He's got some personality to him. Yes. I, I do think he does. It's, you know, he's not going to go out of his way to crack a joke with the media or anything like right. that. But if something right. kind of comes up organically, you know, he'll he'll throw it out there. And, you know, I think he he fits what this program needs. They need a CEO type guy who's going to come in and manage Amen. things the right way. Um, I think, you know, you make the argument, obviously, he's one of the winningest coaches right now in college football. I think I've seen multiple rankings with him kind of in that top five range of of active coaches. And I mean, he's the one thing he hasn't been able to do yet in his career is capture a championship. And I think with the resources here, uh, obviously, with the, the talent they're able to accumulate here. Um, this gives him as good a shot as any to really build this program back up to to a prominent state. Glenn West, go to four seven sports um, here in our part of the world. Jack Besh from St. Thomas More. You got to talk to him a little bit. Don't call him a tight end anymore, right? He's strictly oh, he's, he's strictly receiver. wide receiver, and that's it. Yeah, no, he's and he was great. I mean, you know, you go back to maybe the third or it was the last non-conference game where we got to talk with Jack Besh with the media, and uh, you know, he did a he did a tremendous job, but. You know, there was some there was certainly some things there where, you know, it sounded like he wasn't maybe going to be back with the media anytime soon. But, uh, you know, he, he came out and did a, a really fantastic job. He he uh, you know, kind of relayed to us just kind of what uh-huh. he thinks of the quarterback battle. And, and he's in a very unique situation. I mean, this is a guy who played with Walker Howard. Right. 
ever since he was six or seven years old. That's his guy. You know, he's living with Garrett Nussmeyer, their roommates. I mean, he 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 kind of has a unique perspective and in, in knowing all four of these quarterbacks very well now. And uh, obviously, this summer has been spent with you know getting the reps in, getting those rotations, the routing, the route timing went down with all those guys. They've been practicing two, three times a week this summer, uh, trying to get all that stuff situated with the receivers and quarterbacks so they can really kind of approach this fall camp head on and in full steam ahead. Not only have they brought new coaches in, a new strength and conditioning coach, but they brought in a mental performance coach. Yeah. Uh, and uh, give me your your thoughts on what that means and what the, how the players have adapted to that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not entirely sure um, just kind of what the kind of ins and outs of him are, are, are what the goals are for, for that. And I do know that the players were very receptive to that. They mm-hmm. it's something that I think kind of happened organically over the summer where they brought him in two or three times a week for about three weeks there. Uh, just to kind of, I mean, look, this is a roster with a lot of turnover, a lot of guys who are going to be competing for spots. And, you know, not only do you want your physical body to be in the right frame of mind, but you want your your, your head to be in the right frame of mind for that kind of competition and for that, uh, you know, kind of rigor that they're right. you know anticipating come this fall. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just another way in which, you know, this, this staff is kind of just trying to give, give their players every advantage possible to, to be their best selves come fall. And the one word I kept hearing time and time again was the word trust um, and how they have these SWAT teams where, you know, it's how you perform and how you you're accountable to one another and how important that is. Uh, it just seems like he is building a foundation um, and, and and the players have bought into this thing. And that that's critical in any program. But, uh, you know, Brian Kelly's getting it done, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, to, to do it so early, too, I think is the important thing. You know, you got to f- make sure that your players are bought in. And I think that's kind of the first step whenever there's a coaching change is getting the players bought in. And I think that's something that takes several months to do. And, yeah, I think the SWAT teams were certainly a, a huge uh, success with the players back in the spring. I mean, they talked about, you know, just the various off-field stuff they do with their various teams, you know, in terms of just keeping up with – the nutrition and, and kind yeah. of the location and whatever they were doing on a day-to-day basis. And it kind of brought them together closer as players. Uh, I think that's something that that was certainly one of the goals was for that player to player relationship to be great. And yeah. uh, uh, in terms of the coaches and player relationship, you know, he kind of Ke- Kelly kind of touched on this. It's a two-way street, you know, they got to build, you know, the confidence in the coaches and the coaches got to build the confidence uh, with the players. And so uh, you, you kind of heard, you know, kind of before the spring that, that that was still a work in progress, but really since then it's been all smooth, uh, smooth sailing, I think in the last several weeks and months, and they're in as good a spot as any to, to really move forward in a really positive direction here this season. Well, not to be a devil's advocate, but normally when you go to these functions, you bring your best players. I'm curious, why wasn't number seven there? Why wasn't Kayshawn Butte there? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I'm not entirely sure why they didn't bring him. I, I do know that the guys that they did bring, they they, they built that trust with the coaching staff to completion. Yeah. I, I do know that Mike Jones, B.J. Ojolari, and, and Jack Besher are three highly regarded players on this yes, roster. Already. No doubt about that. Yes. And within the coaching staff. So, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not sure how far you got to look into that, but it's just, you know, I think it was just a you know, preference thing. I mean, I yeah. think those guys maybe wanted to do it maybe more than Kayshawn might have. And uh, I, I think they all did really, really nice jobs on Monday, you know, representing yeah. the program. 
did you get to vote as far as um, how the conference is going to finish with your preseason? I'm, sure Alab- I'm sure you picked Alabama one in the West and Georgia one in the East. I'm curious, where'd you have LSU finishing? So I might be the, uh, the optimist of the group. I'm not entirely sure. We'll have to see how everything shakes out. But I had uh, in the West, I didn't believe it was Alabama. Then I had, uh, um, uh, shoot, I'm trying to remember, Ole Miss. And then I went LSU. And then really? I went- we have uh, 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 Matt Miguez who does the show after me, and he picked Ole Miss to finish number two as well. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Didn't they lose a pretty good quarterback? Yeah, they lost a pretty good quarterback, but they they were one of the more impressive teams, I thought, in the transfer portal. I thought they did a really nice job bringing in that talent. Um, obviously, just like LSU, the quarterback situation is going to be key with them, but yeah. Yeah. They have the quarterback right, and and they 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 get him in the right offense with Lane Kiffin. I think this the sky's the limit for them. I think it's it is for LSU too this year. And uh, I'm still kind of one of the. I mean, I, I don't know how you can't be a a, a Texas A&M kind of narcissist at this point, just because <laughs> I mean it's been lots of eight and four, yeah. seven and five, nine yeah. and three maybe, but like they, they haven't done enough to really show you that they can yeah. consistently win. So and their best wide receiver just got uh, arrested. So all yeah. the off the yeah. field stuff that man yeah. that's bad. All, all plays a factor into it. Yeah. I think. You know, obviously Kelly's had a lot of great success in year one. That kind of factored into it for me. You know, he went, I believe, nine and three his first year at Notre Dame. I think he went uh, eight and four his first year at Cincinnati. So he has kind of a a history of being able to get in that eight, nine win range. And I think that can certainly, if you get get eight or nine wins this year, I think that's certainly a top three team in in the SEC West. The SEC East, I mean, it's Georgia by a landslide, I think. Who's second in that? Those are the those are the projections. I think I saw it on ESPN that Georgia has like something like a ninety four percent chance of winning the SEC West, and despite losing and, all the players that they yeah. lost. I mean, then you got Kentucky and 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 Florida, and uh, you know, I think those are pretty much the, the top the consensus top three teams. In the I think Tennessee's going to sneak in there somehow, some way. In there, South Carolina with with Rattler yeah. could surprise some people. So no. I think it's going to be an interesting conference year. But you know, I think. Georgia and Alabama are far and away kind of the favorites to come out. You got to bet to win the national championship. You taking Alabama or you taking the field? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I think I think I'm taking Alabama. I think I, I just I really <laughs> when you return that one of you the Heisman Trophy winner and the yeah. best player in the country. Uh, by a landslide. I mean, Will Anderson, if he doesn't go number one, he's going number two or three next year yeah. in the draft. I mean, he, they are so impressive when, at, at that top, top, top of their field. I mean, he is, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be hard to beat. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and they got the best coach and they got a coach who doesn't like to lose. And he lost in the national championship game to a, to a guy that he was uh, preaching and, and listen, to. One, one of the stats was, you know, every time Saban has lost a championship, I think three of the four times he's lost, He's come back and won the next year. And so he likes to right wrongs, uh, Coach Saban does. And I think his team is going to be an early heavy favorite, and I wouldn't be surprised if they if they win another one this year. Okay. Um, I like B.J. Ogilari, by the way. I think he's impressive. He's he's a great he's a great player to get to know a little bit. Him and Mike Jones. I I, I got I had a really a blast talking with Mike Jones. We they split us up with the local media. Tell me, tell me about, about Mike. Yeah, tell me about him. For about from Clemson comes here, yeah. kind of out of position, kind of trying to learn a position. Um, 
Boy, I sure hope he has. This is going to be his year. I think you got to respect a player like that who kind of comes in from another highly touted program expecting to maybe have an opportunity to be a, a really big-time player last year. And he, it was a situation for him for much of the season. He was learning the position. He was learning how to be an inside linebacker and learning how to be the physical – uh, the physical traits that you need to have mm-hmm. to, to be able to be consistent in the, on on defense and uh, he but he came in every day with a smile on his face and you know, we got to talk to him several times last year and and just kind of leading into the spring you can tell that he has that confidence about him now he has that um, you know kind of will and want to, to to be a really really good player for LSU this season and uh, I think he's going to do some really good things this year I think he has all SEC potential did you ask about the defensive coordinator at Coach House and how he's um, yeah. how, what their thoughts are about him. Again, you know, it's I'm sure he has so much knowledge coaching on the NFL level. Can he downscale it and simplify it for this team to be effective? He he's a favorite. I mean, particularly in the linebacker room, he's also the linebackers coach. Yeah. So Mike Mike Jones certainly is thinks very highly of him. He likes the he likes the scheme that they're bringing in. I mean, I think it's going to be very. You know, it's not going to be totally different from last year, but they're going to add some wrinkles to it. I think, you know, the fact that they brought in a strong support staff around them. I mean, we've heard some really great stories early in their tenure about Robert Steeples, the cornerbacks coach, about Jamar Kane, the defensive line coach, about uh, Kerry Cooks, the safeties coach. I really think it's going to be a team effort on defense, and all those guys are going to have a, a you know kind of voice in the room, and and Coach House is going to be the kind of the the lead guy there. But he's 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 done a really nice job from what I've heard. Just tell me it's going to be better than the Bo Pelini defense, please. I, I, I don't know how it can't be. <laughs> it can't I don't, be. I, I don't, yeah, I mean. Yeah, uh, uh, and, and look, they, they showed some real strides last year too. They didn't start off the hottest last year, but you know, kind of last four or five games there, when some of those, uh, you know, guys further down on the depth chart started to play really consistently, they 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 were able to turn it around. They held yeah. Alabama to twenty points uh, in, in that game. So, yeah, you never know. You never know. He is Glenn West of uh, Go Two Four Seven. I got to ask you real quick, uh, changing gears to baseball. Is Jake Johnson smiling today, or is he still a little worried? I think he's smiling today. I think the the fact that they you know they've all, they lost about five signees and they thought they had no chance of keeping anyway. Um, right. They were able to keep the catcher Brady Neal, uh, shortstop uh, Gavin Gidry, the infielder, uh, number one player in Louisiana. He's right. so. I think they can. They they let out a sigh of relief. I read it. I wrote it this morning. I think it's a nice. It was. It was. You're in a very suitable position. I think moving into next year with your roster. Does he have a pitching staff? I think he has a good pitching staff. I mean, Christian Little, Thatcher Hurd, Ty Floyd, those are three names that come off right off the bat. Grant Taylor, the, the freshman from last year, just finished up a phenomenal uh, Cape Cod League. He, I think he threw uh, an under two ERA for through wow. six outings and had, you know, 20-some-odd uh, strikeouts, and he was very impressive in his summer ball. So I think they're they're very high on his future as well. So I think they have some they have some pitchers to work with for sure. As long as you got Dylan Cruz and uh, Trey Morgan coming back, that's a pretty good start, my friend. Pretty good. All right, Glenn West, driving your car to Atlanta, having to shop through about a dozen to find one that finally fits you. I, I, I feel your pain, man. You, you got to go to the big and t- how do you get your clothes, man? What do you do? Uh, the XL. It's the, it's the new it's the new guy. It's the new thing. But it's always you have to be big and tall. And I'm not necessarily <laughs> big yet, but I'm just so tall that I'm, you know, I need the 38, the 40, but 
they only go to like 20 length and it's like i need like 34 36 lengths you know oh my gosh dude you got to go get them altered whatever you get you got to go to the alteration shop and get it custom done i'm telling i'm gonna hook you up man i'm gonna hook you up all right yeah i i appreciate it i'll I'll take any help with all that stuff you got it brother you got it all right we will take a uh, quick time out here we'll come back with more glenn thank you so much take care of yourself buddy Thanks, Jordy. Talk soon. Right, this is the Jordy Helford Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 21st, 2002. With the record six races remaining, Michael Schumacher clinches his fifth F1 World Drivers Championship with a victory in the French Grand Prix. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball. You can see them live and in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th. You can be there. Register in the game club us at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So in a blink of an eye, after last night, the American League beat the National League for the ninth straight time, 3-2 to two in the Midsummer Classic. Uh, we're more than halfway through the 100. 62 game major league baseball season uh the yanks of new york are on pace for 113 wins the astros and the dodgers aren't far behind you know jacob Degrom hasn't pitched but the mets they're still in first place we've had 14 game winning streaks one from the atlanta braves and one that is active in the seattle mariners the reds started the season three and 22 and the blue jays fired their manager despite being in a playoff position. Uh, Aaron Judge has a shot at 60 home runs, and we've seen eight RBI games from Rowdy Tellez, Josh Naylor, Jock Peterson, and even Shohei Otani. Uh, Dodger pictures, Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson are a combined 21 and one and Matt Carpenter and his mustache have produced an astonishing 13 home runs and 34 RBIs in just 79 at bats for the Yankees. This is a guy hitting 354 when he hit under 200 the past two seasons for the Cardinals. What are they feeding him in New York that they didn't feed him in St. Louis? Um, so, uh, you got the Yankees who've got to be given an A-plus grade. The Astros have to be given an A. They're the favorites to win the AL West. But did anybody expect maybe 107 wins, which would match the club record set in 2019? Uh, the biggest stories have been the return, and I mean a incredible return of Justin Verlander. Uh, and the crack of Jordan Alvarez's bat. He was on pace for one of the best offensive seasons in Astros history uh, before landing on the IL with hand inflammation and missing the week heading into the All-Star break. But what clearly sets the Astros as title contenders is that starting rotation depth. Man, they go six deep. Verlander, 
uh, Framber Valdez. Well, that's a dominant one-two duo. Christian Javier says turn into a strikeout machine. Back-to-back games of 13 and 14 strikeouts against the Yankees and the Angels. Um, man, that rookie shortstop, Jeremy Pena, how good has he been? Uh, they're good, and they are fun 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 to watch so um we shift our focus now to the stretch run of major league baseball and and we'll see it sure seems to me that we are on a crash course and how exciting would it be yankees and the astros for the american league title wouldn't that be something yes indeed wouldn't it be something i think the yankees have to be the favorite In the AL, I think the Dodgers have to be the favorite in the NL with the Braves right there nipping at their nipping at their heels. And if the Mets get healthy, who knows, right? Who really, truly knows? Um, We shall see. We shall see. You know, the game wants to help you. with your date night, the clay, the game clubhouse at one Oh three, seven, the game.com one Oh four, one, the game.com. You become a member of our rewards club. You'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes. How about the following? How about $150 of a gift certificate to Mr. Lester's steakhouse at Cypress Bayou? How about a $50 gift certificate to the half shell oyster house? I'm sure Brian Kelly would love that because two of his favorite foods are crawfish etouffee and char grilled oysters. Boy, he'd love that. How about a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? Well, I bet they have great breakfast there. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free and it's simple. So why not go up and sign up today? I will right, we'll take a timeout real quick here when we come back. The Schwab from Yahoo Sports, the NFL contributor, will join us. We'll talk all things NFL as rookies are reporting. Training camps right around the corner. What's going on in the league that says stands for not for long? We'll have that when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, one of my favorite guests of all time, kind enough to join us from Yahoo Sports, the one, the only, Frank Schwab. Frank, how have you been, sir? Doing well, Jordy. How about you? Just, uh, you know, enjoying this offseason because it's football's right around the corner. It, it, it's starting up soon. It is. I mean, rookies are reporting. Training camp is, get, is, is coming. Here we go. But what what do sports bettors do today? There's nothing to bet on. It's, the all-star break is here in baseball. There's no basketball. There's not. What do you do? I uh, know you wake up today and you're like, oh, there's nothing. I mean, I, I unapologetically bet every day of my life. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I always can find something to do. And then you wake up today and it's like, there is absolutely nothing going on in the sporting world. It's a, well, I guess one is WNBA game that's already been played. That's about it. The, I guess we look at NFL futures. I, it's, it's, it, I know this day's coming every year and every year. I'm like, ah, what a bummer. <laughs> 
I guess you got to go overseas. There's got to be something going on somewhere. If you're that, uh, if you're that much into it, there's got to be something. But anyway, um, all right. You've done your research. You've done all your thinking about your teams. You've you've analyzed them. You've turned them inside. You turned them outside. Um, give me a team in the NFL that that a lot of people are sleeping on that Frank Schwab is not. You know, I, I give you two different answers uh, because one of them, I, I mean, it's not a team that's going to win a Super Bowl or anything, but I think the Detroit Lions are going to be really good. I, I mean, not really okay. good, but just surprising. I think they're going to be in playoff contention. I think they're going to be close to 500. They were pretty good at the end of last year. They really battled hard. They've added to that roster. I think they're really buying into what Dan Campbell is selling their their second year head coach. I and we got to remember as much as you know Jared Goff gets criticized, he's not a zero. This guy's played a Pro That's Bowl, right. he's played a Super Bowl. Like he's he's capable. So I think that it can all come together for the Lions this year, and they can. I don't think they finish last place. Put it that way. I think the Bears do. So I think the Lions take a big step forward and impress some people who maybe didn't notice late last season that they were playing pretty well. And then I think the other team that it just – I can't get away from the thought that the Philadelphia Eagles have this unbelievable roster. and All they okay. need is Jalen Hurts to put it together. And why not? Jalen Hurts, I believe, has 19 career NFL starts. Uh, we don't know what Jalen Hurts is capable of. We don't do, – do I think Jalen Hurts is suddenly going to become a top-five NFL quarterback? Probably not. But is he good enough with this roster to do some great things, win the NFC East? Make a, a maybe a deep playoff run. I do. I if you if you just cover up the quarterback position and look at Needle's depth chart, you're gonna say this team is really really talented. I they they might have aside from quarterback. If you're not waiting that extra, they might have top five talent. They really might. I, it's it's that good of a roster. So those are kind of the two teams uh, among a few that I'm just like and people people don't really realize. I think how good these teams could be. Uh, my boss is thrilled that you mentioned his beloved uh, the Detroit Lions. So a team that only won three games a year ago, taking a step up to maybe 500, that would be, I mean, they'd be dancing in the streets at the Ford yep. Motor Company, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you could just, look, last year they, they were, I think, 0-10-1 to start. And then they were, I think, 3-3 three and three down the stretch. I, I mean, my math might be off a little bit there. But they, they played hard. They played well. And you could just, the one thing I really respected about the Lions all year, in addition to covering the spread just about every week, like they were beating the market unbelievably every week, is they you could tell they wanted to compete. They were still in it. They, you know, you start oh ten and one, and what do you, you think about golf times? Like you're you're like we can't wait for the off season to get here. Yeah. We don't want to play, but they fought hard every single week. The the jubilation they had when they beat the Vikings on the last play yes. of the game. But that spoke yes. to me. It said this team really likes its coach. They really like each other. They're they're ready. They're, they're, they want to come back next season and, and kind of right the wrong of that terrible Long start. Overdue. I think they can. I think they can be pretty competitive. Long overdue. I'm really curious about the AFC South. I think it's going to be a horse race down to the wire between the Colts and the Titans. Titans were 12 and five a year ago. The Colts were nine and eight. I just have a feeling the Colts are going to be better. And I think it's going to be one of the more interesting races throughout the year. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? It could be. I mean, I worry that I'm underrating the Titans because I think the Colts win that division. I think it's it didn't take me long to make that pick. Let's put it that way. Okay. I think the Colts are just a better team. I think Matt Ryan's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be great, but he's in a much better situation. So I think he's going to be fine. 
But I just I look at the Titans and I'm like, well, okay, no more AJ Brown. Julio Jones didn't work out. Your receiver situation's kind of a mess, honestly. Yeah. And you're putting everything on uh, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. I, I love Derrick Henry. He's probably my favorite player over the last 20, 30 years. Like I love watching Derrick Henry. So I don't say this in a, a gleeful way, but he's had a lot of carries in his career, a lot. Mm-hmm. And last year he finally got hurt, and I just worry that this is kind of the beginning of a decline. Like, it might not be like he crashes and burns and rushes for 700 yards or anything like that. I think he's going to be still pretty good. But to put everything on his shoulders, I I don't know. I I just – Mike Vrabel's a great coach. They've won a lot of games. I might just be completely underestimating them, and they they just prove me wrong again. But I really wonder how good the Titans really can be this season. All right, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Let's go through these divisions. Um, In the AFC East – uh, Buffalo came in first, a game better than the Patriots. The Dolphins surprised some people. The Jets were at the bottom of the barrel. Is this the year the Dolphins supplant the Patriots? And are the Bills just the best team in that division? Yeah, the Bills, it's hard to, uh, it's so boring to just sit here and talk about how great the Bills are because everybody knows how great the Bills are, but they are. I mean, they, yeah. they might have the best offense and defense in the NFL. Like, that's, high, that's their ceiling. It's, it's wow. totally possible. And so it's just you got to start with the Bills being number one, and if it take it would take a lot of injuries for them not to finish first place. I can't, I just can't buy into the Dolphins. They've just done this so often, where it's like we made all these splashy moves in the offseason and we're ready to. No, it never works out for the Dolphins. They're just that franchise. And why? I don't know why people are so down on the Patriots. I, I'm doing my you know my countdown, and I think we're up to number eleven. I think today was the Broncos number eleven. I still haven't put. I still haven't posted the Patriots. They're my top okay. ten because I just so much trust Bill Belichick. Everybody's like, "Oh, they lost this guy. They lost that guy. They this draft pick. That it doesn't matter. They always win." Bill Belichick is always figuring this thing out. They were a really, really good football team last season until the end. They faltered at the end. They got blown out in the playoffs. That's what everybody remembers. But we forget that for about thirteen weeks before their bye, they were one of the top five teams in the NFL. I. I just I'm not I'm not I'm just not going to go down okay. that road this year of oh Bill Belichick can't do it the roster is not good enough no it's Bill Belichick he'll figure it out okay uh, AFC North Cincinnati finished ten and seven of course they made the great run in the playoffs and uh, got to the Super Bowl the Baltimore Ravens they get Lamar Jackson back if he stays healthy who do you like in the AFC North I love the Ravens love them I, I think that for them to finish eight and nine last year people will realize that. They have the most adjusted uh, football outsiders does adjusted games lost to injury. The, the stat they've been doing since the 2001, I believe. The Ravens set the record for the most games lost last season. They, mm. I think that I saw something today where they had like 75 different players miss a game with injury. They had 25 guys on injured reserve by the end of the year, and they still were in playoff contention. They lost five of their last six. They lost six in a row to end the season, but five of those losses came by a combined eight points. They were right there, and now you get everybody back. This is a rock-solid organization. Nothing against Bengals. Love the Bengals. They're fun to watch. They're really great. But I just think I just trust the Ravens. The, the Ravens are going gotcha. to be back. Everybody's down on them for whatever reason because they went 8-9 last year. To go 8-9 last year is pretty impressive with all their injuries. Yeah, so, so I'm too. totally on the Ravens now. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, you got the Colts winning the AFC South. Then we get to the AFC West. Last year, Chiefs followed by the Raiders followed closely by the Chargers, and the Broncos finished at 7-10. and 10. The Broncos have made some cha- – everybody's made some changes. They've lost some players like everybody else. Are the Chiefs still the team to beat? 
I, it feels dumb to pick against the Chiefs because they've done this, what, seven years in a row? I think they've won the West nine years in a row. It's something crazy like that. But I got the Chargers. I, I just love that roster. I think that they've yeah. done all the right things to build around Justin Herbert while he's not making a ton of money. Justin Herbert's great by himself. I, it, it sounds dumb to bet against Chiefs. It sounds dumb to bet against the Broncos, too. Russell Wilson transforms the entire franchise here. But yeah. you got to pick somebody. The, the best division I've seen on paper ever and I'll pick the Chargers. I, I just love their talent. I, I think Justin Herbert is just an absolute superstar. All right, who are you picking in the NFC East? You got the Cowboys. You love the Eagles. Cowboys were 12-5, and five, a disappointment in the playoffs yet again. Eagles were 9-8. and eight. I don't think anybody's counting on the Commanders or the Giants. Two-horse race, who do you like? Absolutely two-horse race. I'll take the Eagles. Why not? I mean, I, I might as well go okay. all in, right, Jordy? Don't, don't go halfway on this thing. If I, if I love the Eagles, I'm going to love them all the way. Although I will say, People forget how good Dallas was last year. They were really, really good. They, they, yeah, they lost in the playoffs. That does happen. The 49ers were a pretty good football team, too. Right. But the Cowboys were really, really good last season. But they, you know, they lost some key pieces, and I, I really like what the Eagles are building. Yeah, 12-5 and five is pretty darn good. Is anybody going to come close to the Green Bay Packers this year? I know you said the Lions are going to be better, but the Bears, the Vikings, anybody going to compete with Green Bay, or is it just another walk in the park? I can't see anybody beating the Packers. I mean, injuries always happen, but uh, yeah, the Packers are clearly the class of the division. I will say this, though. The Vikings have always had the talent. Like, we always look at that roster. We say the Vikings are pretty good. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is better than people. Give them credit for all that kind of stuff. Maybe they just need a coaching change. I don't know what Kevin O'Connell is as a coach. He might be terrible for all we know, but I, I, I will at least say this, that I'm keeping an eye on the Vikings early in the season because that could be one of those teams that just – desperately needed a, a new voice and yeah. you know at the head coaching position and they kind of take off a little bit with uh, Kevin O'Connell Mike Zimmer Aaron Rodgers Kirk Cousins Aaron Rodgers oh I, I'm going with Green Bay <laughs> uh, in the <laughs> NFC in the NFC West uh, the champion Rams uh, the Cardinals Cliff Kingsbury gets them to the dance but uh, he can't kiss the girl uh, the 49ers they've given uh, Garoppolo the right to seek a trade apparently and who knows with Seattle yeah, oh, Seattle's bad. I mean, Seattle's going to be bad, and I, I think the Cardinals take a step back too. I just know DeAndre Hopkins, and yeah. every vibe from them this offseason has been bad. So it comes down to two teams. I do like the 49ers. I'll pick the Rams to win the division, but I'll say this: everybody's kind of given up on Trey Lance for some reason. There's so so much negativity about that kid. Yeah. I don't know. I saw some good things out of him last year. He's thrown, I think, 81 NFL passes somewhere in there, 91, whatever it is, less than 100, let's say. I don't see why people are already burying him. I think Trey Lance right. could be a transcendent player, really. I, I think he could be really, really, really good. I'm not mm. giving up on the 49ers, but I'll take the Rams just because, you know, they're okay. the chance. Uh, that 49er defense, if healthy, pretty good. All right, the NFC yeah. South, everybody's picking the Buccaneers. Where do you have the Saints in the NFC South this year? Yeah, I'll say this. But what, I mean, they offer this with some sports books, and I know you got sports betting down in Louisiana. For the Buccaneers to finish first and the Saints to finish second, that kind of uh, combination, they, they offer odds on that, and I'd take it because I can't talk myself into anybody beating the Buccaneers, and I can't talk myself into the Panthers being better than the Saints, and the Falcons are just terrible. They're, they're a yeah. bad football team. So, <laughs> I, I just, so I think the most predictable finish that we have right now is Buccaneers one, Saints two. I, the Saints are... Look, I, we were on early in the offseason. I told you, Jordy, I was like, I don't like the Saints team. I don't like their right. cap problems. I don't, but we sit here in July, and I'm like, well, they, they kind of got through it. I don't know that – I mean, someday this bill's going to come due, but whatever. They, they, they kind of just – yeah, they lost a couple key guys, Marcus Williams, Teron Armstead. I, I, but 
they've rebounded. It really wasn't that bad. Like, it could have been a lot worse, like the Falcons did, where they just kind of rebuilt. Uh, the Saints are good. The, the defense is going to be good. The offense is going to be okay as long as I, I, Michael Thomas is kind of that situation is getting weird again. We'll see what he looks like at yeah. training camp. But uh, yeah, uh, possible I, I playoff team. They won nine games last year with all these guys hurt. They had to start four yeah. different quarterbacks. Is that a yeah. is that a team that sneaks into the playoffs in your opinion? Who the Saints we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just it could. Yeah, because the NFC look, you have to put seven teams in the playoffs and. Okay, right. we got our division winners, and I, whoever second place finisher in the NFC East, sure. Yeah, second place finisher in the NFC West, sure. Who else would you trust? Like, who, I mean, there's right. just not a, another second place team where you're like, oh yes, the Minnesota Vikings or the Detroit Lions or whatever. So I think the Saints are easily in the mix for a playoff spot. I, I, I just I trust their defense enough. I really do. I think that Dennis Allen, you could keep that defense going. And look, look, lose Sean Payton. We can't underestimate that. He's a whole right. coach in my mind. Right. Uh, That's fair. But I, I think that they're at least uh, in a bad NFC, at least a while. All right, one last question. 15 seconds left. Uh, the Niners have given Garoppolo okay to seek a trade, according to sources. Where does Garoppolo end up, in your humble guess? Uh, I mean, this is this is as lame of an answer as I can give, but it's whoever suffers the first injury. Like, if... Aaron Rodgers goes down, he's going to end up in Green Bay. If that press okay. goes down, he'll end up in Dallas. I just think that that's, that's what's going to happen with that situation. It's, it's hard to see anything else. Frank Schwab, still enlightened us with absolutely nothing to bet on today. You're the best. Thank you so much. Tomorrow will be a lot better, so enjoy. Absolutely. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. All right. Uh, 52 minutes after the hour, we're going to take a final time out and wrap this baby up with a birthday wish. He might be the most non-beloved LSU athlete ever. He might be. We'll talk about it when we return. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers. We're your home for the Houston Astros. We're your home for the SEC Media Days. And next week, we're the home of Sunbelt Media Days. We're the home of everything here in Southwest Louisiana. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 55 minutes after the hour, uh, finishing touches. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. July 20th is your special day. You're tied into one of those great expectations who didn't live up to it um, and, and became somebody that's kind of persona non gratis in a very short period of time at, at LSU. Happy 26th birthday to Ben Simmons. Um, and trouble has followed him ever. I've never seen a basketball player that can't shoot knows he can't shoot and does nothing about it it's just absolutely mind-boggling to me so many great expectations came in as a number one high school player in america comes to lsu and nothing happened he was just not a good teammate wasn't a good he was all about himself it just didn't work i wish him the best i hope things work out for him uh in brooklyn don't tell him what Brooklyn's going to look like, but I hope it works out for him. Uh, I really do. Special thanks to our guest today, Matt Miguez from 
uh, Atlanta, Michael Huguenin on all things college football, Glenn West from Go247 Sports on LSU at SEC Media Days, and Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports talking about the NFL. I uh, got the Saints finishing behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, all right, uh, Matt, uh, James, thank you so much for all you do. Appreciate you in the producer's chair as always. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. I'm going to be off the next two days, a little R and R. So uh, I'll be back Monday, God willing. So uh, until then, I am Jordy Helper. Um, stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to to stay healthy.